The following presentation is brought to you by KMmedia.pro. Please visit KMmedia.pro for more information. Now stay right where you are as we present. Welcome to Positive Talk Radio, evolving ideas, one conversation at a time. Great guests, dynamic stories and interviews, plus new thoughts on a wide range of topics and concepts. I hope that you'll hang with me, Kevin McDonald, my friends, and of course, you, as together we work to understand why we are all here and what we can do to make our world a better place for all of us to be happy, be kind, and live in peace together. Yep, that's Positive Talk Radio. And welcome, everybody, to a Monday morning version of Positive Talk Radio. Thank you for being here. We've got a great show for you today, so hopefully you will stay for the entire time. But but first, I have a quandary for Benny. Benny, have you got your Christmas shopping done? <laughs> no. Oh, wait. No, I take that back. I've gotten one thing because it was like, you know, when something pops in your head, and you're like, you might as well just buy it now because you'll probably forget it later. I do have one gift that I have purchased, and that was in June. Oh, very nice because you were planning ahead, something that sure. I do not ever do. Yeah, or my brain's just not going to remember it after a while. It's like, just might as well do it now. Well, you know, it's because I got an email today that said, uh, in preparation for Christmas, it's like, what? It's September still. And you. But we're Go going ahead. into fall. So. I, I guess. I guess. <laughs> That's but, how they do it. <laughs> That's how they but the it. older I get, the faster these years go. Oh, it's, boy, it's, here it comes. Are you, are you, this is the way you said it. You know, get off my lawn. You know, that's the best thing to come out of your mouth. Get off my lawn and quit moving so fast. Right. So in any event, uh, we have Kim the shot of here. Kim, yeah. Kim, Kim, give me your last name because I'm. I, it's early morning Monday for me. It's too early, as if you ask me. My, my last name is Nishida. Nishida, and you are you have a website, and I want to reference everybody to the website, which is kimnishida.com, and that's N-I-S-H-I-D-A.com, and you can go there. She is really is a remarkable human being, and, and we talked the other day, and we get to talk again today, and it, it's, it really, and then that's on positivetalkradio.net, by the way, if you want to go there and, and listen to that interview, but, but uh, Kim is, uh, she has a Oh, Kevin, did we lose you? Say that one more time there, buddy. You blanked out. Hello. Uh, there, did, we got did your I back. go away? Yeah. What, what happened to me? I've got your back. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Well, you caught me. Thank you, Benny, for catching me. I appreciate that. Oh, my little yeah. baby. <laughs> I break your arms. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh my gosh! So, so where did so where did we leave off? Did did uh, we leave off with the uh, introduction of uh, that Kim is the founder of uh, As the Crow Flies Intuitive Arts, where we believe that you are worthy of your deepest dreams Perfect. and desires. So I'm 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 all good. I'm all caught up. Good, Kim. Welcome to the show. How are you this Monday morning? Uh, I am doing just dandy. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Well, I tell you, you are uh, a very gifted individual. You help people learn about their stories and learn about how they can improve their lives just a little bit, or in some cases, a whole lot. And so that it's, it's really is interesting to have you here. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's great to have, it's great to be in this vibe. I, you know, I appreciate what you do, Kevin, this, this platform you bring to people to have these conversations. I mean, we need a lot more of this. So thanks for doing this. 
We do indeed. We do indeed because there's there is a. Um, well, let me ask you, how do you feel? How do you feel things are going around the world at the moment? You know, a lot of stuff is stirred up, right? That's kind of how I see it. Things are stirred up, and and it's it, it's a good thing. Like I know it feels uncomfortable, and we don't like a lot of times dealing with change or confrontation. And that's been me in my whole life. Like I shied away from confrontation. I would do anything to avoid it. Was definitely a people pleaser for so many reasons. And so stirring things up was definitely not something I I ever wanted to do. Um, and the world is stirred up very much so and everyone's feeling it. And that's why I think there's just a lot of friction, I would say, <laughs> happening between people. Yeah, that might be a nice way to say it. That is a good way to say it. In in indeed, indeed. So there are people who will tell me when I'm doing in the course of doing the show and, and elsewhere, they'll tell me that this is an important part of our growth process. Do you kind of agree with that? I definitely agree with that. Um uh, I don't think we can just be in a state of being born into like a perfect state of being. <laughs> you know, that's the human experience. We're here to actually grow and evolve and we're here to experience different things. So that growth is a beautiful thing. You know, going through change is a beautiful thing and you've probably seen it in your own life, like a certain period of time when you're younger and things happen and you grow through this thing and it's like, wow, I'm so glad I had that experience. And so it, it's definitely a time and you can feel it around the world. This is kind of feels different maybe now and I could be naive and maybe people said the same thing like 50, 100, 200 years ago. It feels different this time, but it feels different. And uh, I feel like we're rising up in this, you know, people talk about this higher level of consciousness and Eckhart Tolle and New Earth, all that stuff, you know. I don't think that they were talking about this 100 years ago because uh, nobody was. I, I think our evolution of ourselves has evolved us to a point where we can not only go through some of these things, but we can recognize that these things are actually happening rather than saying, oh, woe is me. Why would anyone allow this to happen to me? Well, I think it definitely wasn't mainstream. Um, I think there were cultures where it was, these conversations were happening, but yeah, for sure, not in the mainstream. I mean, if you look back over time, the different culture does such funny things right the way society teaches us how to be um from when we're very young whether it's our parents or it's your upbringing your culture your heritage all these things and so it's there are a lot definitely times even very recently gosh to me it feels like even 10 years ago you, we couldn't have been in the state we're in right now like the conversations the change that's happening could not have really happened um so I don't know. It's it's a very interesting time, I would say, for sure. It is indeed, because in 2003, when I did Positive Talk originally, there was a lot of people that said, what is he talking about? I don't understand the thing he's saying, because that's just weird stuff. And But now it's becoming a lot more mainstream. Uh, we can actually talk about the things that you do to help people understand a little bit more about their lives and about their soul and about how it all works. You can help them understand that a lot better, whereas, you know, 20 years ago, it was a completely different, I mean, it, let me take you back to the, what do you, what do you call it, the Wayback Machine? Back back 20 years, we were starting the Iraq War. Um, we were, there was a lot of um, 
there was a lot of negativity back then, but it was that was really mainstream because everybody was all excited about going to fight the uh, um, Iraq War, which turned out to be not such a really good idea and uh, and stuff. So nowadays, uh, people are I think people are more aware. Has that been your experience? Well, I remember we had this you and I had this conversation, I think when we first met, I remember you said you started the show in 03. And that's when I became a certified coach. And back then it was like a life coach, right? And no one had ever heard of a life coach. It was just starting out. The coaching industry was just starting out in the early 2000s. And so if, you know, uh, for me, if I was going out and telling people and they'd say, what do you do? And I'm like, I, if I said a coach or even a life coach, they, they didn't, they would scratch their heads. You're like, what do you, you coach soccer? What do you do? Like <laughs> it just it didn't, the, people didn't have a framework for that. So having that conversation, it was a big deal to talk about, oh, well, no, I hold the space for people to, you know, recognize who they are. And like, you know, this just was a foreign language at the time. And so I do agree with you that things have, the conversations I was having back then to even explain who I was and what I did is very different than now. It's so much like, oh yeah, no, I totally get it. I've had three life coaches <laughs> already. So I know, I totally know what you do. Yeah, it's very different. It's changed very, quite rapidly, I would say. Well, even using the term holding the space for someone was one, if you said that back then, they were like, I don't know what that means. Holding what, <laughs> holding what space would you be talking about? And I don't know why I do that. But whenever <laughs> I talk about somebody that doesn't understand something, maybe it was because I worked in the South for a while. Um, and But I always put on a Southern accent, which I, I suppose would be a little demeaning to somebody. But I, I you know, I apologize if I... Uh, if I've hurt your feelings at all, but, but, you know, holding the space for somebody is, is really important in the coaching work that you do. You know, it's something I remember when I was first starting out and getting trained and you're like, listening is a skill, right? Listening is a skill, especially deep listening. And I, as I started doing the work with clients and I realized, you know, people would start to cry because nobody had ever done that for them before. Nobody had actually taking the time to sit there and actually be present for them and listen. And I was like, wow, I didn't know that just doing that was going to be so profound, but for so many people it was. And that's when I started to realize, well, we need a whole lot more of this, you know? You know, it's, a, it's interesting because there's a show host in town. He does a morning show on a rock and roll station. He years ago was in the Partridge family, which I don't know if, if you're familiar. Oh, with. Yeah. Yep. And uh, he ha has a show and he was talking to a lawyer and the lawyer comes on. He's a, sp it's a sponsor segment. And he comes on like once a week and they were talking to um, clients. People would call in about the divorce or different things. And the lawyer uh, said to one of these people that called in because he was, she was having trouble with her husband and, uh, or soon to be ex-husband and stuff. And she said, well, you know, God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. Yeah. And, and the the host popped up and said, you know, I've never heard that one before. What does that mean? And the, the lawyer said, I know you've never heard that before because you don't follow that subscription <laughs> of, of listening before you talk. You just talk and then you don't listen to what it is. So listening is a, is a huge skill and a lot of people still don't recognize it or have it. Uh, how do you coach people to develop that skill? I think what I do personally with people is give them permission to do that for themselves, actually. So I think a lot of times they're not honoring themselves. A whole, it's like holding the space. They're not 
giving themselves permission to let themselves have a voice. I don't know that might, maybe that sounds funny. Um, they're always looking outwardly externally for what people expect of them. Okay, so this is, I'm projecting a lot. This is my experience. I grew up again, like I said, as a people pleaser. Um, I grew up as a very fearful person. Just, I mean, you wouldn't have known it. You never would have known I was fearful. I looked super confident on the outside all the time, but I was always constantly trying to figure out what others wanted me to be or who they wanted me to be or what I needed to do so that I wouldn't have that confrontation or they wouldn't get upset with me or whatever. And this is all my own construct in my own mind. I, I made this all up, um, but I found that's not a very uncommon story, especially for women um, to grow up that way. So I was not listening or honoring my own intuition. I didn't even think I had an intuition, to be honest. Um, and so I think that's, to me, is the first step for a lot of people is really listening to themselves versus who they think they are. So that's where the stories come in, because we, we, we have this notion of who we are and our identity, but a lot of that is coded in stories that other people have given us or stories that are old that no longer fit us or serve us. And so it's kind of getting down to who am I really and can I listen to myself and honor myself without having to perform for others? I think that in of itself is a first step that's very liberating and freeing and can be a little terrifying actually <laughs> to be that person, but it's so empowering. And then once you get to that place, then you can start holding, because what I find is if you're a people pleaser, you're more than happy to hold space for others. You're not gonna hold space for yourself. So you'll be like, what can I give you? How can I serve you? What can I do? But it's, it's not that it's a dishonest thing. It's more like it's a self-preservation thing, if that makes sense. So there are a lot of people who are out there and good listeners, but almost not from a fully present way, almost from a, how can I keep from getting squashed way? I said a lot there, I don't know. <laughs> no, no, you, you sounded you sounded very intelligent, very wonderful. As a matter of fact, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about because that happens to me all the time because I also am a people pleaser. I'm interested in, I, I will take on anybody's stuff. If you got a problem, you come to me, baby, I'll help you with it and we'll figure it out. But if somebody says to me, let me help you with your stuff. Then I start stammering around going, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't need any, you know, and because it's much more comfortable for me to be in a position of, it's not even strength, but a position of just uh, being there and listening to other folks. But when they ask me, you seem a little sad today. Why are you sad today? Uh, I don't know. Um, you know, so it's important for someone like me to work with someone like you who can help me understand that I'm just as valuable as anybody else. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's and, and that's hard. It can be a hard, uh, almost painful thing to do. Like, you know, a lot of times asking for help can be super, like you said, it can be super hard, if not impossible. Um, and then there's a lot of, there's a lot of spiraling that goes on. You start to feel guilty or whatever about asking for help. And yeah, it's great. Well, it's, it's to me, it's like uh, when I was a kid, it was like, you don't need to be a self-centered person. You need to, you need to take care of other people because if you're thinking about yourself and thinking, then you're selfish, you're self-centered and that's just terrible to be. And so I grew up with that philosophy of being, you know, don't be self-centered. Yeah, no, you and me both were like twins separated at birth. That was me as well. 
I thought that was like the biggest sin you could ever have was like to be selfish um, or be even the center of attention for me, like being the center of attention was kind of, I don't know, it was seen as kind of rude um, or, or selfish. I guess the word was always kind of selfish and you didn't want to be selfish. Um, so that was me as well. You know, the interesting thing about, about my experience has been that I could be the center of attention as long as I was somebody else. Does that make oh, sense? Interesting. Yes. Uh-huh. I'm familiar with that one as well. Yeah. Because okay. I, I could be the center of attention if I was uh, acting in a play or I was the cub master and uh, I had uh, a job to do in front of a bunch of people. I have absolutely no problem with that. But if you were to ask me to come on stage and be myself, that's a wholly different thing. Right, right. No, I totally hear you on that one. And, but I think this is, and this is kind of comes back full circle to the friction and everything being stirred up, because I think that's what's being asked of us now, is we need to step up and be ourselves, instead of hiding behind. And it's not even like when I say hiding behind, I, I count myself in there. Of course, I was hiding behind a lot of stories for my whole life, pretty much. Um, but we need to start rising up and expressing what we truly think. Um, instead of asking, looking to others, this is kind of scary, but instead of looking to others to say, well, what, what should I think? <laughs> what should I do? You know, it's like, no, you know, the answer is actually inside. And that's something that we were taught in coaching. I remember it's like, don't give them the answer. Like as coaches, you don't give them the answer. Like they have the answer inside and how can you bring that out of them? And I think that's kind of that conversation that started 20 years ago. And now we're landing up here. It's like, we all need to be ourselves and you're seeing so much happening with more self-acceptance being out there, you know, talked about in the media, um, talking about mental health, all these different things. It's like, we need to be okay with who we are, you know? That is in and of itself for a lot of us, a very difficult concept. Yeah. Because what if you're not Kim? What if I'm myself and you don't like me anymore? Yeah, yeah. That's well, and look at social media. I mean, social media is the playground of like, give me approval. And if you're not getting enough likes, then it's rejection. You know, it's just, and so social media, like if you go on TikTok, the whole game there is we want people to, to like us, right? And so what can I do, especially if I'm not being myself, what can I do to get those likes? You know, cause I'm afraid that being just myself won't, isn't enough. So it's, it's hard. I mean, I, it, it's hard. I can't imagine growing up now with the social media app the way it is. Oh, I know. I, I looked at TikTok one time and I, and I figured I can't be on it because I don't wear a bikini. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's an interesting place. And so to be growing up in this era and having to contend with that, I think it's a, it's a whole nother set of rules. Like you and I, we just had the playground rules, right? We yep. didn't then have all these other layers of all these other potential people who could either love us or reject us. And that's kind of what we see. They're either going to love me or they're going to hate me. We don't kind of see that middle ground. So, And it makes it really, it makes it really hard. And, and social media has taken over to such extent. Did you know that there is, and I don't know if you follow the news very much, but in Iran that there is some protests going on because a 22 year old girl was killed by the, uh, by the, uh, police, the, what do they call it? The, uh, um, Benny, you know what I'm talking about? The police, What? 
Yeah, they they, they call them the, the, the like the, uh, uh, the the garment police or not? Not no, it's, it's fashion like police. A, it's what the fashion police? No, it's it's <laughs> it's a, a police force that uses that. <laughs> as an, see, she was arrested for wearing a scarf but not having all of her hair covered in the scarf. Um, and there's a there's a segment of the police force there that utilizes that. Um, and I forget what you call it. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, you can you can look it up. You can Google it. Oh, Benny's doing that for me right now. Uh, and uh, you you might be able to find it. But anyway, she was 22 years old. She didn't have all of her hair underneath her scarf, and so she was arrested. And subsequently, she died in custody. And so now there's a great big uh, protest that are going on in Iran. And you know what? The first thing that they wanted to do shut down the internet. Mm. Ah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Because that's where a lot of people get their information when it's not publicly available. They can go on the internet uh, in kind of the underground, and they can, and then they can communicate that way and stuff. And so the internet in our day, in 20 years, 30, 40 years ago, none of that would have happened. So it wasn't even available. So it's changed everything really dramatically. And it changed, it really changes how we look at ourselves. And you're right, if we don't get enough likes, if we don't have enough of this, or and then it, it, we, it, it affects our self-esteem even. It affects our self-esteem. It can, you know what I feel like it does really, is it validates how we already think about ourselves oh. in a way. I think a lot of times we already think we're not great. Like we already believe that we don't measure up. And so we go to social media and like, there's the proof. See, <laughs> there, there's the proof. It's everything I always feared. I'm not universally loved. And so we use that as proof. And that's what our ego does. Our ego is looking for proof. Our ego wants to prove to us. Our ego wants to keep us in our comfort zone, right? That's really kind of its job. Like it wants to keep us safe. And if we step out of that comfort zone or what's known, that's can be very dangerous. Um, to our well-being so our ego says so it's like hey you know what i see kevin wants to step out of that comfort zone he wants to have this huge radio show and that um, you know what is he thinking like we might get our you know uh, people might not like us people might hate us and so we don't want him to do that so i don't know how it was for you when you first started your show were you pretty excited to do it oh i was i was ecstatic to do it unfortunately nobody else was it was like, what are you doing? Why would you do that? Um, because, and I said, because I, I feel it in my bones that this is what I should be doing. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and it turned out that this is exactly what I should be doing. But over the course of time, every person, and we should talk about this, every person that looked at me and said, what are you doing? Including the person I lived with, they're all gone now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, see that phrase you said, though, you felt it in your bones. So it's almost like I feel it in my bones. It's almost like saying, I don't have a logical, rational explanation, but it's something I feel. And it's hard for people to accept that, right? Because it's, again, it seems unsafe. You're like, well, that's just crazy. You're crazy. You can't just go by some, you feel it in your bones. What the hell is that? You know? So I think that in it of itself, the fact that you did that, that takes great courage. And there's a point where, I don't know, almost everyone has probably had this in their lives where you've come to this crossroads of I feel something in my bones. I feel this is something I should do. There's no logical reason for it. It seems very scary. And I can do one of two things. I can either follow that or I can 
just say, you know what, I'm just going to pull back and not do that thing that everyone is telling me is crazy. And the courageous thing is to do what you did. And I think what often happens is we don't do the crazy thing. And we kind of remember like, what if we had done that? There's some regret or we justify. Oh, remember when I had that crazy idea? I'm sure glad I didn't do that. You know what I mean? So we justify it a lot of times. So we, it doesn't feel painful of like, oh, I should have done that. Or it keeps coming back. It keeps coming back. Like if you hadn't have done it in 2003, I bet it would have kept nagging at you. It probably would have popped up in some other form. And then eventually you would have done it. And then the only regret you would have had was, and you hear this from people a lot, I wish I would have done it a long time ago. I wish I would have done it sooner. So that whole thing of following what you feel in your bones is a courageous thing. Uh, no one, a lot of times will understand it. And then when you said a lot, those people who said it was crazy that they're not in your life anymore, that's, that's very common. And that's another scary thing. That's why people don't do it because they're like, I don't want to lose the people in my life, but it's kind of like the next stage of evolution in a way, you know, as we're moving on in our lives, people come and people go. And you know how I knew that the, I was on the right path and I was doing the right thing is, is that as I got into the show and I got to meet some extraordinary people, I got to meet Neil Donald Walsh and Gary Zukoff and um, um, Greg Braden and all, you know, all John Edward, all kinds of really, really cool, interesting people. But the most impactful moment of my entire career was the last day that I did the show on KKNW. I won't go into the reasons why it was the last day, but it just happened to be the last day. And when I announced it, um, and there may be somebody in our audience who was there and remembers that show. If you were, I'd love for you to give us a call and and uh, and to tell me about your experience of that day. And you could do that by Benny. How can they do that? Four two five three seven three five five two seven or triple eight two nine eight five five six nine. And so when I announced that the show was going off the air, the phone lines filled up. And people started calling in. One, one lady said, I'm sitting here looking at a pile of books that I bought because of your show. Mm -hmm. and, then, and another lady said, my health has improved so much because, Benny, remember Jerry Armour? Vaguely, but yes. He was our uh, uh, naturopath, natural. Oh, yes. Naturopath, yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he and he had a, um, a vitamin store, and so people That's would go it. down to his vitamin store, and and they would buy stuff to make them well. And the lady called in and said, um, "I just want you to know that my health is so much better since I've been going to see Jerry and and stuff." But the most impactful one was a lady called called in and said, uh, "I just want you to know I'm from Baybridge Island, and if she's listening today, I'd love for her to call in. I'm from Baybridge Island, and and we listen to your show every day." And I said, well, gee, that's, that's off, awfully nice of you. And she said, no, you, you don't understand. I am a Alzheimer's caregiver. And she and I listen to your show every day because you still get through to her. Whenever you laugh, she says, there he goes again. <laughs> and and the, it taught me that we all have an impact on other people in our lives. We don't know how or when or how that's going to play out, but we all are interconnected and we all belong to each other. And so when, when I was able to have that kind of an impact, that kind of a moment of somebody who, and this was 20 years ago, so I'm sure she's 
passed on now, the Alzheimer's caregiver patient. And, and the, the other gal, I don't know. But that, do we all have that ability to have that impact on somebody's life or many people's lives, depending on what we do. And so why don't more of us take that bull by the horn, as it were, and make it happen for, for ourselves? Wow, that is a beautiful, beautiful story. I hope that woman does call in. I would so love to hear hear that connection. But I think, again, it's just because it seems crazy and like following your intuition. Like I think intuition is a, a term that's a little, it's definitely more acceptable nowadays. Um, yep. And, but before it was just kind of, you know, downplayed or laughed off or it wasn't real. Um, that we, we may say like, hey, you might have a gut feeling about something. Like that was a very manly thing to say. <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> listen to your gut, you know. Um, and and now there's all this science coming out about you know the intelligence of your stomach actually and your heart and all these different organs. But it's like I think it's what we talked about earlier. We're afraid of that rejection or afraid of getting hurt or afraid of losing people. There's so many things. There's a lot of. I think there was a period in my time where I realized. It was quite eye-opening to me that I'd made pretty much every major decision in my life based on fear. Like the decision, the way I actually went was always a fear-based thing. And it wasn't the courageous thing. And I just, I think I must've been, how old was I? I was in my forties for sure. When I, when I had that realization, it's like, wow, that's maybe not a great way to live your life. <laughs> maybe not a great way to live your life. And maybe I don't want to do that anymore. Um, you don't look like you're in your forties now. Oh no, we we talked about this the other day, didn't we? I think I even like said what year I was born. I'm fifty six right now, so. Oh, um, you well, you've held up well. Well, thank you, <laughs> thank you so much. I can say that. So, um, <laughs> you, by the way, we're talking with uh, Kim Nishida, and uh, she is a uh, a what we would call a a soul direction coach, or and she's an intuitive coach, and she can help you with your to understand why you're really here. Because Kim, when I did that, when I made that decision to do the radio and that whole thing, how it played out, it all started with two questions. One was why am I really here? And is this all there is? Do you have people asking you those questions when they come to see you? <laughs> yeah. Why am I really here? I think that's something we all feel at our core. Um, and it's great. And I think it's happening faster, Kevin, actually for younger people that they're getting more in touch with why they're here sooner. Or And, and it's not, to me, I always call it, it's a forgetting. Like when we come into this world, we forget, like we actually know who we are and our purpose and we forget. So it's this journey back to remembering. And I feel like younger people now are starting to remember faster. I agree. It's very exciting. Um, and so I think the whole forgetting part is the hard part because then we start getting hardwired into who we are, who we quote unquote are, our, our identity. And there's so many things that we take on from others. And so people start to feel what it's the word that people we've said a lot is unfulfilled, right? I feel like I've got everything I ever wanted. I got like the house, the kids, whatever it was that they're in their idealized mind. They said, this is what you need to have to be successful, but they still feel empty inside. And so that's, it's hard. You feel like, God, I worked so hard. Or even if you didn't get the things, there's this something happening that it feels like this isn't right. You know, like they don't feel in their bones that they're on the right path like you did. 
And so they're trying to find that thing. Well, and, and when I was growing up, the getting married, the two kids, the picket fence, the dog, the house, the good career, that was all expectation. That was all like, well, what are you going to do when you grow up and you, you're going to, you know, go to school and then you're going to get done with school and then you're going to uh, do go on this path. But th- that was all somebody else's expectation. That was not my expectation for myself. So if you knew that that was expected of you from others, but you you always knew that for yourself, that wasn't the path you wanted to take or. Yeah, well, when I was 23, um, I was guided, and I do mean guided, to go to uh, Green River Community College and join their acting department. And I, w- I played in several shows, several plays, and um, did really, really quite well. I was the lead in, in uh, um, Taming of the Shrew, which is Shakespeare, for heaven's sakes. And, uh, and so I did really well at that. And that's really what I was in my heart. That's what I wanted to do was to become an actor or to become in the arts in some manner or form. And instead, I found this girl, and the, the rest is, you know, his story. And, 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 but then when I got to a certain point, that wasn't enough anymore. I needed to fulfill what I felt was in my heart, what was in my, what was my destiny, if you will. Right, right. So that's interesting, though. So you, so what ended up happening there? So, so if your family had certain expectations for you, right? And you were aware of those expectations. So this is what happens. Like if it's not like our immediate family, it's more society or teachers. There's a lot that gets, we get told like, this is what life is like. This is what success means. Um, And I think a lot of us just take it. We take it in. If you're again, for people pleasers, we're like, okay, we want to know the rules. Tell us what we need to do in order to be successful. And we're going to follow those rules. We're good with that. Um, and then there are some others um, who are good with saying, or, well, I don't know if it's a good thing. It is good for them. I wish I would have been more like this. They hear what those expectations are. They're like, well, I'm not doing that. Like, if you expect that of me, I'm not doing that. I'm going to do the opposite, right? So it sounded like you were more like, okay, well, I hear that these are the expectations, but I'm going to, here's what I feel. And I think that's what most people, where they deviated from you because they, they either didn't even take the time to feel or if they felt it they just shoved it down and that's what I hear a lot of is that people did a lot of shoving down when they were younger um to the point where then they felt like they couldn't un you couldn't un, there's there's no word for unshove right you can't like reverse the shoving um they, they couldn't open that back up and so now as they're adults and they're at a certain point in their lives they feel like they can't feel they can't access that anymore and there's a feeling like they want to, um, but they don't know how. So that's that's kind of what I hear a lot from people. It sounds like you always had that connection, though, and that's cool that you you did start to go in that direction of the arts and everything. And so you, did you come back around to that? Then I, I love that you're doing this show. It kind of feels to me it's kind of the same vein. It, it very much is. And But it took me till I was in my early 40s because I got the house. I got the pretty girl. I had a couple of kids. I had the dog, several dogs actually, and and so you know I had I had stuff. I had means. I was the general manager of a restaurant. I was a national food service manager of an entire country, and and stuff like that. So I had all of that, and it wasn't who I really am. 
And there was a point in time when I recognized that that's not who I really am. And then the universe, you know, and there are people who don't subscribe to my belief structure, which is the universe will guide you if you just let it go and, and tell, tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it. And it will, it will take you there. And over a period, this has happened every time over a period of time, the universe will instruct me to where I need to go and where I actually, where I want myself to go, what my soul wants me to do, which is what I want to talk to you about next, because I think that's really important that you be open enough to let your soul take it for you to be open to your, the soul work that you want to do. And, and so it just naturally evolved into it. Now, at any point I could have said, hey, I don't think so. I'm, I'm scared of that because it might turn out like a bad country music song. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just really scared of, of having those things go on and to lose my friends, to lose my status, to lose all of that because I want to do something that's way out of the box. Nobody does what I do. Right. Well, and also the thing you hit on too is like if you're following your soul, for people like you and me who were taught that's being, that's, that might sound kind of selfish. Very that's much so. Selfish, right? So, you know, how dare you? Who are you to like do something, follow your soul? Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like people really get, and I think people get that pushes people's buttons because. I think at the end of the day, maybe they're not conscious of it, but I think it's because they're afraid to do it for themselves. So how dare you be the one that go and follow your dreams? You know, when I'm living, living this soul crushing life, again, it's probably not conscious. They're probably not consciously thinking that, but here I am living this life that I feel wildly unfulfilled, but I feel like I'm trapped in it. And you're not going to be the one to break free. And that's going to make me feel bad about myself. So, yeah. <laughs> Funny story. When I was, uh, after I quit the food service company and, uh, had, uh, gone into, into the radio business and doing this, there was a guy I went to, I went to a, a banquet and one of the guys from work was there and he had had too much to drink already. And so he comes up to me and he says, you know, I gotta tell you, I'm so proud of you that you would do that. I wish I had the guts to do that. I hate my job. And, and, you know, it was like, oh, that poor man. Uh, I hope he sobered up. Uh, but it's just one of those things that, that there are people that are willing to do that at what cost. I had no idea. And it turned out to cost me a lot, but it, it turned out fine. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, again, it, it would have kept coming back around if you had not listened to it. Like you said, I like that you say that it's very nice that the universe guides you. I love that. I agree with you. Although I feel like sometimes in my life, it hasn't been guiding so much. It's like hammering me over the head. <laughs> like it, the guiding feels so nice and gentle versus like, you know, uh, my the universe has given me messages. And if you like the times I've ignored them, it hasn't gone well. Right. Like it's like, I heard it and I'm choosing to ignore it. And then it's just like something bad always happened. Um, but I, but I agree. So yes, being open and listening and like following it is a good idea. Um, I think also that whole thing with having that fear and then following your soul, like going for it. You know, we talked earlier about social media and how that can be validating for how someone might feel about themselves. And also at the same time, 
I'm seeing in social media, a lot of inspiring stories of people who are going for it, who are doing the thing that people are saying you should not do. Like, um, I've seen a lot of women who, (laughs) these actually make me very happy. Um, I used to work in the fitness industry for over 20 years. um, And I was always very much, I was never about, you know, in the fitness world, it, it could, and this was back in like 80s, 90s it could be a very much like, it was very like, you're supposed to look a certain way. We're looking for perfection, body type, all this and that. And I was never about that. I was always like, you want to feel good in your body, right? And so now that it's great that they're coming out on social media, these women who are um, not the stereotype of like skinny model type, you know, they're pretty big and they're out there dancing and they're doing fun things. And like, they're getting all the trolls coming in and giving the hate comments. And they're like, and they use that as ammunition. They like, they'll throw it right back out there. You know, they're not ashamed of it. They don't let those comments bring them down. They're like, you know, this is who I am and I'm proud of it. And so I'm glad to see that starting to happen more um, and people having the courage to just be themselves and to lead the way. Cause that is a leadership thing. That's, that's when I, I have a term called soul leader. It's like, you're leading from your soul. You're that light, you're leading others to do more of the same. And um, it just, yeah, it makes my heart feel so good to see people doing that because it's hard. It's, it's, it's hard. And that's why someone, if, if here's my speech to the audience, if you're listening to this show and you're going, you know, I really don't feel like I'm really living my best life. I'm not feeling like I'm doing everything that I really would like to do but it's so hard to do that call Kim she can help you um she she can walk down the road with you judgment free and talk about what you would like to do for yourself cuz we don't know we don't get to talk about that very much and i admit when i when i started doing the radio it was it was a hugely selfish thing it affected my family and and other people around me in big ways that i didn't see coming until until I was already into it, but but at that point, it was like it's still. And I remember sitting and sitting there talking to my wife, saying, "I love this. I'll do it till the day I die. Uh, this is important for me and and stuff." So, and it, and it has nothing to do with Kim. It has nothing to do with me being a shiny object that people can look at and say, "Look at me, look at me." It's because I can help people. I can bring them people like you. That's what's important to me is to have a great show where I can bring important people who've got a really a wonderful thing to say and can help people like you can. And that's why I do it. Well, and I love this story too about the caregiver, the Alzheimer's patient caregiver, like you're connecting, you know, you're helping other people connect and it's just, and you're, you're never going to know how many people you have impacted in these 20 years you know, but it's, it's a, it's a lot, it's a lot. And it just, it all spirals out. And that's, that's kind of what I see like consciousness. It's like an upward spiral, you know, it just keeps going up and up and up. Um, so yeah, you just don't know like one little thing you can do one comment you can say, I mean, there's, we have so much power in our words. I had actually, uh, cause I was a people pleaser, right? <laughs> I had this, I had one teacher in high school, um, geometry, and I really respected her. I really loved that class. I was really good at math. Um, but it was one conversation we had, like the class wasn't there and she was talking to me 
And she goes, oh, what do you want to do? I'm a sophomore. What do you want to do when you go to college? And I said, oh, I really want to be a writer. I love writing. Like, that's what I felt like I was born to do was to write. And she said, well, writers don't make any money. That's not a very responsible thing to do. Um, and, you, and, and she went into a whole spiel about how women need to, you need to make your own money as a woman. Don't, don't ever depend on a man. Like she really went down that hole. <laughs> but I remember, and I remember thinking like, oh, wow. You know, but I remember her saying, it's not responsible to be a writer. They don't make any money. And therefore, and I think I'm pretty, that was the seed that got planted that made sure that I, I applied to all the colleges as the, in the engineering department. It wasn't my parents. My parents didn't tell me to do it. No one in my family it was that one comment. And then I came up with this on my own, like, well, I need to come up. She said, I need to make my own money. So, I mean, isn't that crazy? That's insane. Like this one conversation and this one comment she made really changed how I thought about myself and what my future could be. So you could either take someone down one rabbit hole, or I could have taken it in a whole nother way, you know, or that conversation, she could have gone on very differently. She could have been like, wow, writing is one of the most important things that you can do to express your opinions and your thoughts and your creativity like that. That is something that the, you know what I mean? Like it could have gone a whole nother way. So it's amazing how if you don't stop and consider, wait a minute, that's her story. Is this my story? Like what is, what is going to serve the best and highest good for myself and for others? And I think we kind of forget to do that a lot of times. Oh, incessantly. We, we always think that somebody else's opinion is better than our opinion. Maybe not all of us, but I did for, for a long time. I always thought that their opinions mattered more than mine did. Right. Well, you know, and I, I mean, I know people who they would have been, they were the opposite, right? They, anything a teacher said, forget it. Like, I'm again, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm not going to, I don't respect teachers or whatever, or anyone telling me what to do. Um, so it's almost like goes the opposite direction. I'm just going to not even take it in and do something just to prove them wrong. Um, but yeah, I think most of us were raised, like you you respect your teachers, your elders, your parents, wh- whomever, and uh, they know better than you. That's 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 a lot of times, like uh, I think I, I have, I can counter a lot of people who were, who were told they weren't, they weren't smart, like they were told they were stupid as they were growing up. So you better listen to other people, right? Again, it, it, that really messes with your doubt, your self-doubt. You can't have any if people keep telling you you're stupid, right? So that's, <laughs> that's, exa- that's exactly right. By the way, if somebody would like to contact you and to work with you, how do they get that done? I mean, the best way to, the, to do would be just go to my website, kimnishita.com. And there's so many different ways to get in contact with me. You can call me or best thing to do is be to sign up for my email list. And then that's the best, the easy way to contact me. Email is great. And we, I have really appreciated having you here and our time is going to run short a little bit, but you can, but this will also be on positivetalkradio.net as well as the uh, interview that's already up on, on, on positive talk is um, that we did on a week or so ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, what did you think of that interview? Did you, did you have fun? Did we, I thought we connected well. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I mean, the time just flies when I'm talking to you, Kevin. It's really, it's really easy to talk to you and so interesting. I mean, I think this conversation is something uh, I would love to have a lot more with a lot of different people. It's just, it's really cool because not everyone wants to have the conversation. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Well, but that, see, I'm the lucky guy because 
I get to have you as a coach and I'm right, you know, and we're on the radio. Yeah. And so there's a little bit of, by the way, for people who don't necessarily believe everything that I say, it's all true. And, and I don't, I don't make any of this stuff up. It, it, it just all actually did happen, at least in my memory, though, the way that I thought, but the stories that we tell ourselves can be so insidious that we listen to them and we then do not achieve or do the things in life that we want to do. And, and, and how do you help people get out of that rut that they're in? It's really just mostly inquiry looking into, I mean, I think the biggest tool we have is curiosity and curiosity from a more childlike point of view, not a, I think what happens when we start to inquire is we do it to, to assess blame or to make wrong or to compare or judge. So it's really hard to have curiosity without judgment, especially on ourselves. So that's kind of a good place to start. Just get curious about like, wow, you know, is this story true for me? Um, is it true even now? I, I, I'll, I'll share with you really quickly. I had a belief that I couldn't drive. Like I was terrified of driving. I had a fear of driving. I didn't drive. That was part of my identity. I'm someone who will never drive. Um, until I was 36 years old and I had a moment of just curiosity. I wonder if I could drive, you know, I, I was riding a bike everywhere. I had a 20 pound bag of dog food, trying to get it on the back of the bike. And it was such a pain in the butt. It kept sliding off of the bungee cords. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I wonder if I could learn to drive. It was just curious. Could I do it? I don't know. And um, that's what started. That's, that's why I actually now drive. I overcame that fear and can drive. <laughs> Who told you in your past that you couldn't drive? Or I told my, No, I told myself that. It just, I, for some reason, I was very scared. I think it was at Disneyland, the Autopia cars. <laughs> I have no idea what it was. I remember I, that, right? <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing to be scared of on that no. ride. It's on a rail. You cannot crash that right. car. <laughs> and so, but I think for something that scared me, and I was always very scared to drive. It would, like, I would be I had paralyzed with fear. And so I just took it upon myself. That's my identity. That's who I am. Just part of who I am. So what was it like for you when you walked into the DMV to take your driver's test? Um, I still, again, I wasn't sure. I wasn't making myself right or wrong. I wasn't like, hey, if this doesn't work out, then I'm no worse off than I was before for 36 years, right? So it, it was just kind of like, I'm going to do this thing, and it's either going to work or it's not. Um, and it was fine. I passed it. It's great. I mean, I still was a year of driving being very scared, but <laughs> you know, it wasn't like the fear was instantly gone, but I, it was something that I did. I, I, I lost, I shed that story. That wasn't my story anymore. So. And so would you, would you recommend that somebody, if they're telling a story to themselves that they test the veracity of that story to see whether it's tr actually true for them or not? I always say, just ask yourself, is it true for me now? Is it, is it true for me now? And is it serving me now? is this story serving me today? And if you feel like it's not serving you, then that's where you kind of just get curious. Well, what, what would serve me better? What story would I like to have instead? It's always kind of good if you're shedding a story to insert a new one that's more empowering. So it's just this gentle, especially if you've been a, someone who's hard on yourself, just a gentle series of inquiries. Like, and then you kind of start to see, once you open up to the possibility that maybe this isn't true, you kind of see these things. Well, then I wonder what I could do if I, if I was going to inquire, like for the driving thing, 
well, if I was going to try to drive, what would my next step be? It's like, well, maybe I should get a lesson, you know? So I call up a school that specialized in teaching adults who were terrified to drive <laughs> how to drive, right? So it's like they have a bumper sticker on the back of their car that said, caution, terrified driver. Yeah. You don't want to be near them. <laughs> <laughs> well, but especially when you're hard on yourselves, does that come from a story that somebody else told you at one time? Uh, most likely, yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, it's like if you grew up and someone told you you were stupid every day, then you're going to take that on, right? And so you're going to be hard on yourself. You're going to call yourself stupid. And that just self just kind of grows deeper and deeper and stronger and stronger every day, right? Um, so, yeah, it probably came, possibly came from somebody. But again, like the story I told about, um, yeah, the driving thing, like no one told me, <laughs> no one told me I was a bad driver or couldn't drive or anything. I was like, I just came, you, you, when you're a kid, if you're scared of something, you, we give meaning to things that really don't have a lot of meaning. Uh, so that's the thing. We make up stories to make sense of things. That's kind of our nature as humans. We want to understand the world, so we make up stories. You know? Sometimes those stories can be darn bad for us. Yeah, they're not serving us. Maybe, and even stories that served us in the past might have done a very good job of serving us in the past and just aren't serving us anymore today. So, but I think we forget to question, hey, that story I made up when I was three, is that still a story for me when I'm 55, right? <laughs> it's like, I'm a different person now. Is it still the same for me now? So. Yeah, that's, it happened to my mother-in-law. She was, she was adopted. She spent 86 years of her life saying, I'm not good enough. No one loves me because I was adopted. And she never questioned it for her whole life. And it was a waste. It was a waste of her life. We've only got a couple, a minute left or so. And I would like, Kim, for you to give us your information again and to tell uh, our audience that's listening today anything that you would like them to know. Well, thank you for having this conversation. And if you're here listening, thank you for listening to the conversation because that's when things start to happen, right? When you're open to these conversations. And I think that is, again, where we're going. Um, my website, the best way to contact me is at kimnishita.com. And although it's always hard to spell my last name, right? Um, you can also go to soulconnectioncommunity.com. That's another good way to get in touch with me. Um, or social media is always a good way as well. I, you know, I would say connect with your heart, connect with your soul. You're here. You are here for a reason. And and like heaven said, you just know it in your bones when it's the right thing to do. And just strengthening and doing that questioning uh, to strengthen that soul connection. That's what we're here to do. So. And I want to thank you for being here. You, you, are, you are a marvelous person. Will you come back and talk to me some more? Oh, it'd be my pleasure. I would love to come back. Thank I you. think I need more therapy. So there. <laughs> and Benny's sitting over there vigorously nodding his head. Yeah, you do, my friend. I'm, ga yes, I'm gathering all the therapy as well. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, Benny, thank you for being here. And uh, um, Kim, thank you for being here. And by the way, everybody, take care of each other because, you know, each other's all we've got. We'll see you Wednesday at 4. Have a great day, everybody.